Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz Podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. people. 
so you diminish it, and you kind of play it down a little bit, and you're, you're not so forward with it, right? And so, in a lot of ways, we've been Peter. But what I was thinking about as I was thinking about the story of Peter and his denial, we're going to go back and we're going to read it. And if you want to turn to your Bible so on your phone or, or the Bible that you brought with you, you can turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, and we're going to read from there here shortly. But as I was thinking about Peter, and I was thinking about this, this scenario that's at play here. Previously, Peter didn't allow his what-ifs to control his decision. Because the logical thing is, as you're standing in a boat, and you see somebody standing on the water, is to think, well, what if I get out and I sink? Right? Like, that's the logical thought. What if I get out of the boat and it doesn't work for me the way it's working for Jesus? But Peter didn't allow that to, to control his decision-making. Instead, he said, I know what is. And what is is that Jesus is out on the water, and Jesus is calling me to be on the water. And so I, too, will step out. Regardless of the what is, I'm going to let my what is, what I know to be true, control my decisions. And so Peter steps out. But in this scenario, the script is, the script is kind of flipped. Instead of the what is that he had experienced already with Jesus... He lets his what-ifs control his decisions. There's a lot of questions being raised at this point in his life. And so uh, that's kind of where I'm wanting us to think about today, uh, where, where we're kind of going is, is what in your life um, do you, or where in your life do you allow the what-ifs to control your decision-making instead of the what-is? Where are the questions and the confusion and the uncertainties, the things that are causing you to determine the way you live your life, and where are the things that you know for a fact, and you've decided, this is how I'm going to live, because I know this to be true. So kids, for a second here, as I read this story, I want you to pay attention. I want you to keep track of something for me as I'm reading this. Keep track of how many times Peter chooses to deny knowing Jesus. How many times he says, I don't know who that Jesus guy is. So keep track of that for me with you. Count them up as we're going along here. We're going to read out of Luke chapter 22, starting in verses 54 through 62, and it will be on the screen for you as well. They seized him and led him away and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, he said, This man was with him too, but Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, You're one of them too. Man, I am not, Peter said. About an hour later, another kept insisting, This man was certainly with him, since he is also a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside, and he wept. So 
what just happened previously in the story? What took place before this moment in time, right? We know Peter had this, this experience where he walked on the water, but immediately preceding this was Jesus' institution of the Lord's Supper, of communion, right? We've done that here in this church before. We take part of eating the bread and drinking the grape juice, and we remember Jesus' sacrifice that now he's on the way to. So before Jesus dies, which is where we're at here when they seized him, Right before that, Jesus had the Lord's Supper. He sat down with the disciples, and he, he gave them the information he needed them to know to continue on with this mission. Telling them, I'm, I'm going to be gone for a bit, and I need you to know this stuff. I need you to do these things. I need you to follow this. And so immediately before this, Jesus is, is laying out all of this trajectory for his life. All of the pain and the sorrow that's supposed to come before him. And Peter... In true Peter fashion, is bold and courageous and steps out and says, write this in, in chapter 22, verse 33. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Easy to say in moments of convenience and comfort. I will go wherever you go, even to death. I'm not scared of that. I'm following you. And only a few verses later, how the tune changes, right? We see right at the beginning of this passage we read today in verse 54, they seized Jesus, they led him away, brought him to the high priest's house, and we see meanwhile Peter was following at a distance. Seems like if he was ready to go to prison, he might have been following a little bit closer. We're hypothesizing here, right? But, but there's stuff going on in Peter's head, right? No doubt. Peter's very confused, as are the rest of the disciples. What is going on? What is happening right now? There's fear. There's confusion. There's curiosity for what lies ahead, what might happen next. And so Peter begins to follow, but at a distance. Disconnecting himself a little bit. Trying to create a little bit of separation so as not to get caught up in this, this thing. Because I don't really know how this is going to play out yet. So I want to I want to keep back a little bit and kind of we'll see what happens and then I'll kind of decide where I'm going to you know I, I, I'm still with Jesus but I, I don't know if I want to be with him right there. So let me kind of see what happens and then I'll then I'll figure out how I can be next to him. I'll figure out what makes me comfortable enough to to get close to Jesus again. So kids, I asked you to pay attention, and it even gave us a clue there at the end. How many times did Peter deny knowing Jesus in that story? Three times. You got it, Charlotte, right on. Three times. You might be saying, well, why is that significant? Or is it significant? Well, there's something about, uh, when we read stories in the Bible, there's something important about understanding uh, that there's always context to the world that they're living in. It's not just plucked out of time and placed in front of us, and it means all the same things to us that it meant to them back then. There's context. There's understanding the people that it was written to and the time that it was written. And so the number three literally means something to these, these Jewish people. It really, truly means something. In fact, the number three means divine wholeness, completeness, lacking nothing. So in essence, when we see Peter here denying Jesus one time, it's like, okay, that's 
kind of a misstep, but not, not a big deal. That's, that's just a little bit of, you know, uncomfortability. Two times, it's like, okay, getting, getting a little uncomfortable here. That's probably shouldn't have done that two times. And then three times, in the Jewish understanding, Peter has held nothing back from denying Jesus. It's a complete denial. I, I, I have nothing to do with that man. Whole, complete. Not in the positive way, but in the negative way. And then after that, we see this exchange. Verse 61 and 62. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Weeping bitterly isn't just a little bit of a sniffles and a cry. Probably many of us at some point have in our lives wept. And if you have wept, you know what I mean when I say wept. An uncontrollable sob. An overwhelming discomfort from anguish, from torment, from pain, from suffering, from grief. It's part of the human experience and the world that we live in today. And Peter's response or the reason he wept bitterly is, is all tied up in that exchange he had with Jesus before and in that, that look. Now, I, I also have to confess, when I read that, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. The first thought I had that crossed my mind, because I have two very strong-willed boys, is that look that a parent gives a child when they're acting out. Right? That better knock it off right now. We're out in public and I can't say what I want to say right now, but wait till we get in the car, right? Some of you parents know what I'm talking about. Uh, and it's that look. That look that you know. But I, I don't think that was Jesus' look here. I don't think it was that parent scolding the child. The look that Jesus gave Peter here was one of compassion of grace, of forgiveness, of understanding, of it's okay. I, I already knew this. And I've chosen you anyway. I already knew you were going to go this direction. I already knew you were going to deny me. I told you you were going to do this. And I've still chosen to love you anyway. And I've still chosen to go where I'm about to go for you anyway. Jesus is a caught off guard. And, and, and I don't even know if I'd say Jesus is disappointed in Peter. He, he knew Peter was going to do this. It wasn't unexpected. Jesus is still invested in Peter, though. But Peter has decided at this point, as he's sitting there in that fire and these people begin to accuse him. What's up, bud? Yeah, there's a mirror there. As, uh, as these people begin to accuse Peter... Peter decides, man, what if? What if I, I say I know Jesus and, and they arrest
trust me too. What if I say I know Jesus and, and worse yet, they go after my family? What if I say I know Jesus and something else happens? What if, what if, what if? Peter is consumed in this moment of all the questions, all the uncertainty, all the fear of what might lie ahead. Because he still doesn't know what's what's happening to Jesus. This has all just happened in, in, in minutes of time. And then we have this, this part here where it says about an hour passed and they were sitting around. But, but Jesus has now been removed from them. He's before the high priest. I don't know what's going on. It's behind closed doors. Is Jesus really the Messiah? It's probably going on in, G- in Peter's head a little bit. Is he really who we've said he is all this time? And, and, and how has he done all these things if he's not who he says he is? How did he heal those people? How did he, how did he do that miracle? How did he perform these things if he's not who he says he is? And yet... How is he here? And so all of the things that Peter knew to be true come into question. All of the what is's were clouded by the what ifs. He knew that Jesus stood in the middle of the sea. He knew that Jesus calmed the winds winds and the waves. He knew that Jesus healed blind men and men with leprosy, and women that were bleeding since birth. He knew all of these things because he witnessed them. He saw them firsthand. And yet in this moment, his what-ifs become overwhelmingly and definitely too loud to control. Have you ever done something that you didn't really mean to do? You, You knew it was wrong? Or you'd done it before and you knew it was bad when you did it before but you kept going back to it and all of a sudden it, it came to a point where it just seemed easier to keep doing the wrong thing than to do the thing that you knew you were supposed to do if so you're in pretty good company because I think anybody who's followed Jesus for any length of time has done that and, and probably even people who removed the spiritual conversation from it we do things that we don't always want to do, and, and we do them out of convenience or ease or whatever, and, and we have these moments where we're met with this difficulty of trying to reconcile what we just did with what we believe because they don't seem to match up. Don't fear the what-ifs of life. Live in the what-is. There's a lot of what-ifs. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be mindful and make good judgments about things that lie ahead that we don't always know the answers to. We should be wise and discerning and try to understand the best way to to deal with things. But that shouldn't be the point where we rest our whole life on. It's how I decide to deal with this what-if moment. No, what we should be determining how it is we're to live our lives, what what should be the most important is what we have done with the things that we know to be true. The what-is-is can't be altered, it can't be changed, and if you've experienced some of this stuff, like I said, you're in good company, the Apostle Paul also experienced this, and we see him write about it in the book of Romans, and, and on the screen for you, I've placed this passage out of Romans 7 in the message paraphrase of the Bible, um, which is a little bit different than the translation, it's, it's a very simple English language, very common language, and so 
it, it tries to make this conversation a little bit easier to understand because this can be a little bit complex the way Paul writes it here. But, but sit with me and read this for a second. Paul says, Romans 7, Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do good. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. And my decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. Peter was trying to follow Jesus without Jesus. Peter was trying to follow Jesus without Jesus. He wasn't allowing him to be the the source of comfort and peace like he was in the middle of that storm at that moment. When Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water, it didn't matter what was going on around him. He knew that he wanted to be with Jesus. And so he did. He did be with Jesus. But in this story, Peter tried to follow Jesus, to do the right things, to be good enough, to be uh, of the right kind of person so that Jesus would accept him and be with him. And, And he couldn't do that. And we can't do that. But Jesus says, that's okay. Because I can do it for you. I can close the gap that you can't close. I can bring you close when you can't get close enough. But it requires trust in what is. In spite of the what ifs of your life. Kids, as you continue to grow up, you will continue to have more and more questions about life. You guys know Frozen 2? You know that song that Olaf sings? I'll understand this when I'm older. It's kind of a joke because us adults know that you don't really understand life all that much better when you're older. There's a joke in there. And life becomes tricky and complex and difficult to understand. But God is constant. God is always there. And no matter if you are like Peter getting out of the boat and trusting Jesus, or if you're like Peter saying, I don't, I don't know who that Jesus guy is, Jesus is still there. You can't hurt his feelings so much that he moves away from you. He's still there, waiting for you, wanting to bring you close. And there's another story later in Scripture, spoiler alert, you can read about it, where Peter has a moment with Jesus after Jesus' death and resurrection where Peter does, or Jesus does this with Peter. And for those three times that Peter denied Jesus, Jesus asks him, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. Three times, completeness, wholeness, 
Jesus is restoring Peter. Because Jesus does the work. We just have to be willing to trust, to follow, to seek. today, and um, God, I'm so thankful for this message and what it means uh, for me, because I know there are a lot of times in my life when I'm more like Peter denying Jesus than I'm like Peter getting out of the boat. It's so much easier to be led by questions and uncertainties than to trust in you and what I know to be true. So God, I just ask that this word becomes real for our lives. That the what-ifs of our lives is there, there, they can live and they can exist and that's fine. But that the what-ifs aren't the things that control our decisions. The what-ifs aren't the things that determine how it is we, we live our lives and how it is we schedule our days. But instead, the what-is is the driving force. Jesus, you are the driving force. And for anyone in this room who maybe has never decided that this is the time to, to stop living in the what-ifs and to trust in the what-is, to trust in you, Jesus, in your, your life, your death, your resurrection, your forgiveness for sins. God, at this moment, I, I just ask that they invite you in. That they ask you to be their Lord and their Savior. That the what-ifs of their lives can continue to stay, but that they're no longer allowing that to be the thing that controls them, but instead they want you to be the steady, the constant, the clear in their life. Jesus, will you continue to be with us in this time as we celebrate and we have a little bit more fun before we get out of here. Guide our steps today and tomorrow. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Man. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future He has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community, and to love people to Jesus.